Welcome to Pints and Pelvic Floors, a podcast designed to normalize the discussion around all things pee, poop, sex, and more. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Noble, owner of Pelvic Pride Physical Therapy and Wellness, an LGBTQ-owned transgender safe space and clinic for all. Grab a pint and come as you are as we uncover the myths around our genitals and destigmatize normal body functions, as well as normalize asking for help. So raise your glass because it's a beautiful day to save pelvic floors. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Pints and Pelvic Floors. I hope you have been enjoying these podcast episodes so far. These starting episodes are just kind of giving a foundation for what is pelvic PT or pelvic OT, um, how do we get training in it, and then kind of what to expect. So as we're growing and adding onto this and talking about different topics, you kind of have a good foundation to understand um, kind of, again, what an evaluation is, what treatment is like, uh, what the pelvic floor muscles are themselves. So as you're learning new topics, you can kind of use this as your foundation. So today we're going to talk about what happens at an evaluation and then what is a plan of care and kind of what's typical, what you should expect with a plan of care. However, we have to jump backwards part of my starting pints and pelvic floors was to have a pint and to have a discussion about the pelvic floor kind of in a laid back casual environment. So we're going to kick off today, um, with a pint and today's pint is going to be a bloodline from dog flying dog. Um, so if you're a fan, so am I didn't know them until I moved to Maryland, but very much enjoy their beers. Um, if anyone was around during their pepper era, which I feel like was just a craft brewery thing in general. Um, definitely enjoyed some of their pepper beers, but doesn't seem to be the thing these days. So what happens at a pelvic therapy plan of or evaluation? So it starts off with paperwork always, right? Anytime you're going to do anything like this, especially in the medical world, there's going to be paperwork here at pelvic pride. Our intake form is digital. It's kind of nice because you can fill it out when you want. You can hit save, um, come back to it. And you always have a copy of it if you need it in the future. The paperwork's pretty thorough. We're going to go through a bunch of the technicalities like emergency contact, name, address, things like that. Um, we have a couple other fun things on there though. We ask preferred name. I want everyone to keep in mind a preferred name means a lot of different things. We have patients that come in and maybe their full name is Christina, but they go by Chrissy. Okay. That's a preferred name. Um, maybe we have a patient who is transgender and they have a legal name that insurance recognizes, and then they have their name. And so they're going to give us the legal name if they're going to submit, um, like a super bill, but they're also going to give us their preferred name, what they like to be called, who they are. So that's on there. We also leave blank line for pronouns. Um, so patients can write anything they want to, as well as their, um, gender, sex assigned at birth and gender. So they can give us, you know, kind of, again, tell us what they want to tell us, tell us who they are, um, not legal check boxes that are needed for insurance. We're going to ask a bunch of like red flag questions, things like unexpected weight loss or gain, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, um, just different questions that kind of help us start to rule in or out issues. If any of the symptoms are a red flag, we're definitely going to get the patient back to their primary medical provider. So you'd be amazed in the pelvic floor, how much we do catch on to some things where something doesn't quite seem right. And it's because maybe one of those red flags was a positive and we needed to get that tested. Um, we're also going to ask about medical history. You don't want to spend your whole time telling us about how, you know, 
mom had that dad side has this, whatever we get it all written down. If there's a question, if we need to ask more about something, cause it's relevant to your situation, we absolutely will. Uh, we're just trying to cl- kind of collect a lot of the information ahead of time. So you're not spending the time that you have with us reviewing history that you could have written down on paper. Our evaluations at pelvic pride are 75 minutes. This gives us plenty of time to hear your story, spend time listening to what exactly brings you into PT. It's amazing how many times someone comes in and they have urinary urgency frequency. That's what they're coming in for. Maybe their doctor, urologist or someone sent them to us. The more we talk to them, we find out, oh, they also have a history of constipation. And so wasn't anything they had like specifically or initially came in for, but constipation has to be addressed. And then the more you talk, well, yeah, pelvic exams also do hurt and, uh, being intimate with a partner doesn't feel great. And so someone came in with, you know, what seemed like quote simple, you know, urinary symptoms actually has a lot of different things going on. Being able to spend that time to talk through this, ask more questions, dive into the symptoms a little bit more helps us to get a better picture of what's happening. I will say as much as I value the skill of our hands-on assessment and moving through um, different screening tools and techniques. I think getting that story the first day is super, super important. A lot of times this is the first time anyone listens to the patient um, or validates what they're feeling is real uh, or that they're not alone and that there are other patients that we've helped that also have the same issues or similar issues or similar dysfunctions or um, discomforts as they do. And so it can be very validating if you just get to listen to your patient's story. Once we have gotten through our story, we're going to start talking about things like what are our goals? You know, we come in with this urinary urgency frequency. Um, but maybe our goals have kind of morphed from what they wrote down, which is stop peeing so much into be able to have intimacy in a pelvic exam with no pain, um, have, normal bowel movements. And so we help to just kind of establish what that is. We also go through what their exercise or how they like to move their body. I kind of like that more, especially for my patients who don't um, inherently love exercise, moving your body is valuable. I also talk about that a lot with my new parents when I'm asking them, you know, what are you doing to move your body right now? Chasing after a little one, um, raising a brand new baby, things like that. That still counts in my book, at least for, um, what I would put down for exercise technically. So maybe it's not going to be like the AMA's quote of how many, you know, minutes they want you exercising per day. But when it comes to just kind of meeting your body where it's at, I put all of that down. So diving into kind of what those goals are, maybe right now it is just running after the toddler at home and taking care of the newborn. Maybe our long-term, like our big goal is to be able to return to jogging a mile every other day with, you know, the dog. Um, that's totally fine. So we want to talk through those goals and kind of see what's our first big win. What's kind of our next big win we can get to. And then what's kind of our ultimate goal. What are we trying to get to at the very, very end? So We'll talk through all that. And then once we are done kind of screening for any bowel, bladder, intimacy, function, um, orthopedic issues, low back, hips, knees, ankles, shoulders, neck. I mean, really the whole body can be involved in the pelvic floor. The jaw, the TMJ has such a big impact on the pelvic floor. 
So once we've kind of screened out all of that and asked questions and learned a little bit more, we're going to move into our hands-on assessment. So this is where we will give our patient several options. We're going to kind of bring this forth in this almost um, most clothed to least clothed, if you will, spectrum of we can start on the outside. We can screen things like our spinal range of motion from cervical, thoracic, and lumbar. So neck, mid body, and our low back. We can look at what our hip strength and flexibility and kind of screen the lower limb or lower extremity and start there. Or we can go more towards the pelvic floor, which many times patients that come to our clinic are potentially prepared for. Um, I will say in our intake paperwork, we include that ahead of time. We have a whole kind of informed consent paragraph that lets patients know um, what potentially could be occurring as far as a pelvic exam. So they have some time to digest, ask questions, decide if they want to bring a chaperone or a friend or partner with them. Um, And we're also very clear that even if they elect to provide consent or not provide consent on the intake form, we're going to review it again in person and they definitely can revoke consent. Maybe they were on board that day, but when they got in, they got a little nervous or just weren't feeling it. Or maybe they're honoring their body and doing some hands-on work doesn't feel good today. And so we'd let them take that consent back. Or maybe they saw that, kind of panicked, thought through it, had some conversations, maybe chatted with some friends or family members who've had pelvic PT, looked it up online, found out, okay, this actually happens pretty often. This is a common therapy type with specialists. And so, um, it didn't sound as weird as maybe reading it for the first time does. And so maybe they've decided, sure. Okay. I'm happy to give enthusiastic consent. I'll go forward with an internal exam. So regardless of that, we're going to review all of our steps of what a pelvic exam may look like. So for the most outside basic thing we could do, we can do a hands-off assessment. This is where we will just observe what happens when you do things like take a deep breath. And when you exhale, if you engage or squeeze those pelvic muscles and try to lift what occurs, what happens when you relax, maybe some coughing, some bearing down, maybe some changes in positions or postures to see what's happening to the pelvic floor muscles. From there, we could do some hands-on assessment. So taking a gloved hand and assessing our pelvic floor muscles on the outside or even placing one finger into the vaginal or rectal canals and assessing the deeper muscles inside. This is going to give us more information. We educate our patients on this. We make sure they understand where we're going to touch. We use pelvic floor models um, with consent again. Do you mind if I show you all of this on a pelvic floor model? Patient says, yes. Awesome. I grab my model. I show them here's all the different places I would like to touch and just get some general feedback of, does this sound like an exam you would like to do today? programming note. When I was in PT school, it was advised that you have kind of these spiels of things that you say, and that way, you know, forever and ever you've said it. Um, I have not done a pelvic floor assessment that I have not said at the end of my kind of spiel on the pelvic floor. Does that sound like an assessment you would like to do today? I've changed kind of how I respond to the answers these days, but, uh, definitely have always, always, always said that. So after we've kind of informed these are all of our options. Here's the spectrum. We get consent. Patient decides what sounds like a good part of the assessment. We move into that hands-on portion. 
patient always gets the option to go to the bathroom. Many of them get nervous and are like, absolutely. Let me go real fast. Um, and then the patient can undress to their comfort level. Um, but we need the bottom half off typically, um, socks are optional. That's where patients kind of get back and forth. And then our setup in our clinic is everything is cloth. The gowns are cloth. The sheets on the table are cloth. The pillowcases are cloth. We have a bed warmer when it's cold. Um, we try to do everything we can to make this situation, the setting as comfortable as we can. I have some patients I know are cold. I bring extra blankets and I have them ready for their sessions because I just happen to know they always are a little more chilly. Um, I have others who run a little hot, make sure that the bed warmer is not on when they're in here. So, uh, just trying to make things as comfortable as we can when we get to that hands-on portion. In that evaluation, once we have assessed everything, we're looking at some of our flashbacks from previous episodes, things like muscle tension. Is everything tight? Is anything weak? How are we coordinating? Do we have the strength and endurance we're looking for? Maybe we're doing a standing assessment, um, seeing how things move whenever we put our feet on the ground and we put gravity to work. And once we're done with the assessment, we're going to step out. We're going to let our patients change back into close their comfort. We have wet and dry wipes always available if patients ever need them. And I just let them know whenever you're ready for me, just prop that door back open and I'll be back in and we'll go over everything. So once that's done and we come back in, we're going to explain to our patients, this is what we found. I will give feedback during, especially if they're seeming interested. Um, some are kind of a, I'm here, I'm for it. I just want to kind of be present and not really talk through anything until after we're done. And I respect that. So we'll go over, you know, where do we find our tension? And I always try to relate it back to the words they used. If I tell them, you know, on the model, this is the muscle I was on when you said it felt kind of scratchy. And and, and then I was on this muscle a little bit deeper and higher up. And that's where you said it kind of felt more like a pencil um, or a chopstick. I I try to use those words because that really helps them understand. Yep. I remember that feeling in my body. Okay. That's the muscle that we were working with. Um, So kind of give an overview. So a patient really does understand what muscles are involved, how it's impacting their pelvic floor and the symptoms they're dealing with, and then try to kind of create that bigger picture of what's happening. This is also where we're going to keep in mind 75 minutes is a lot, but it's also not a lot. So the assessment continues the next session. Maybe we chose to do the pelvic floor hands-on work today. Next visit, we're going to do our orthopedics. What's our hip strength, our ankle strength, our knee strength. What's our range of motion and flexibility like there? or vice versa. Some patients might not be uh, open to the hands-on portion day one. So we start a little bit more external. We go uh, with the spine, the low back, the hips, screen, things like that. Check out the abdominals, check out the diaphragm and how they're breathing. And then we go to the pelvic floor, whatever they feel comfortable, maybe the next session or two. Regardless, we're going to just kind of wrap up a explanation of what we think is involved, as well as what we're going to be assessing next time to get continue our you know, figure it out and find what's going on. And then we're going to work on what is for homework. What are we bringing away from this? Is it breathing? Maybe it's avoiding diary. Um, a lot of times in my clinic, it's yoga poses. We actually just had our top nine yoga pose, uh, Instagram post has been up and we just turned it into a blog as well. So if you're wanting to read a little bit more, see what those poses are, they're out there on our blog, um, on the pelvic pride website. And I will drop that link into our show notes here. And so 
we will go over those exercises, make sure they have a good understanding of what we really want them focused on before they come back to us, answer any questions they may have, and just kind of go through general housekeeping of what to expect, um, what they should wear to the next visit, things like that. Part of that wrapping up our session though, we're going to talk about the plan of care, kind of what we're looking at. Honestly, day one, we may not have a complete answer yet, but we're going to have a general idea of where we're headed. So most patients we see one time a week. Occasionally we see them a little bit more because they may be super flared up and they respond pretty well to treatment and we want to get them in and make sure we're assessing as much as we can, um, as fast as we can and kind of focusing on getting some relief. Sometimes it's a little less frequent. Um, maybe there's a lot of vacations going on, a new little one at home or returning to work or lots of different things that may decrease the frequency. Uh, we kind of meet our patients where they are. We're going to give you our opinion or clinical judgment of what we think would be most appropriate for care, but that is not set in stone. If you aren't able to make that work, we're going to work with you to do whatever works best for your schedule. Um, keeping in mind what our recommendations are. So we see most patients about once a week and our clinic average is about six or seven visits. Um, and that is such a, um, wide variety as to why that may be. Some people do really well and uh, maybe have already come in pretty high functioning or with minimal limitations. And so they do rehab quickly. Uh, maybe they're coming in for very proactive prenatal care. And so we're doing a couple assessments before they deliver. They come back afterwards and then we kind of dive in, help them get back on track of whatever it is they're wanting to do as their body's recovering. Um, keeping in mind, the body has just grown and birthed a human. And so there is a lot of recovery that comes with that and that there isn't this need to bounce back, um, but it's to respect what your body is capable of today and how it changes every day and meet it where it is and continue from there. And so we just want to help support that um, and empower our patients to move in ways that feel good for them. Then we have some of our patients who are with us a lot longer. Um, they typically have symptoms that are, um, a little bit more chronic. They've had issues for many years. I had one who had an injury 20 years ago and had been dealing with pain since then. It's not something I'm going to be able to help just kind of, um, mitigate in succession. It may take us a lot longer. Keeping in mind, some of these patients though are coming in and they start off weekly and they get a really good routine going and they're feeling pretty good. And we start to slow them down every other week, every three weeks. Um, maybe they're doing pretty well. Symptoms are really doing great. And we drop them off maybe once a month. Um, I see this often when I have patients who are preparing for something, maybe they're preparing for a big race or they're preparing for, um, a return to work or something's happening. And so we want to see, okay, how do you do when you aren't in therapy as frequently? Do you feel independent or do you need to come back? I have others like one I'll see tomorrow who, I have not seen this individual in, uh, I don't know, probably three or four months. He's been doing fantastic, has not needed my care. Um, but he did have a little tweak to something. It was like, Hey, probably should let you check my pelvic floor anyway. Figured you could check a look at whatever this thing is that I've done to whatever. I can't remember shoulder back, something, a body part that is a new issue. Um, and then we can just chat about my pelvic floor and how things have been going. And we have that a lot. People who love just kind of this like holistic wellness approach where they know if they flare something up, they can call, pop back in, get it looked at, and then continue on with life. 
I also had a patient like that yesterday. Hadn't seen this individual in about two years. They haven't even been to the new clinic yet. And same thing. She was like, I wanted an expert to take a look at it. Um, you know, you had a good opening. I was going to be in town anyway, figure why not pop in, let you take a look, do an assessment, kind of give me some tools and some things to work on. And we'll go from there. So that's what we did in her session. And if she needs me. She knows how to find me. She come back in, um, because she doesn't live locally. So she came in from out of town to get this looked at. So this is not super uncommon in the pelvic world. Um, yeah, so that kind of covers what a plan of care is. So we're going to give recommendations. We can give you some idea of what could be normal, but again, everyone's a little different. Um, the way your body's healing, what our goals are. Some people's goals are just to be able to go up and down the stairs without leaking and others want to return to running a marathon. Please, please, please recognize that everyone's rehab is different, but also it's going to take a little longer to help guide someone to return to a running a marathon than it is to get them to be able to go up and down the stairs. Both are important. It's just the rehab is a little bit different for both. And so it's going to take a little more time. So when I give you some guidelines as to um, how many visits can I expect? Cause we hear that a lot. That is just what they are. They are guidelines and we're going to take it, you know, session by session and keep open communication and talk about kind of what our goals are and how we're progressing and how we're doing as we plan what is coming up in the future. So that's about it. Let's kind of recap that. What to expect at the evaluation. Step one, fill out that paperwork, bring questions, bring your medication list, bring all the things that you need to give us and questions you have for us so we can review. Be ready with your story, kind of what's bringing you in. And we're going to spend a good chunk of time talking about that. All the symptoms that you're experiencing, asking questions about things you didn't even know were related, but our pelvic PT brains immediately go to and light bulb. Oh, I need to ask about that. And mm, I need to make sure this isn't a thing that's happening because these are commonly related. Once we've gotten through that story and discussed kind of what your goals are and where we're headed with your therapy, we're going to do our hands-on assessment. Keep in mind, enthusiastic consent. Number one, huge, 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 important thing here. That is, we will give you what our options are. You get to be a active participant in making the decision of what feels good for your body. So this might be a totally hands-off assessment. Could be hands-on, fully clothed, looking at some orthopedic, low back, hips, things like that. Things that you would think of any PT looking at, or we may dive into the pelvic floor specialty here and go right into that hands-on pelvic floor internal assessment. Regardless, we're making sure we have your permission with each step of the assessment process. After that, we're going to perform the assessment and then review. What is it we found? What are we going to work on? What are you taking home for homework today? And then what do we foresee our plan being moving forward? So keep in mind, that's what you should be expecting when you go in for a pelvic floor assessment or any kind of pelvic floor therapy um, appointment. There should be something to fill out, time to discuss your story. You should leave with your questions answered or a communication method, a way to be able to get in hold of your therapist if you have any questions and some things to take home with you to actually work on day one so you know that you are making progress each and every day. Hope that made sense. Hope you uh, learned something new. Hopefully if you are reflecting on your own experience in PT, you're like, yep, that sounds about like what we did. Um, If not, reach out. I'm happy to help connect you with a PT who offers a model similar to ours. If you're not in the Baltimore area, if you are in the Baltimore area and you're looking for a uh, new PT, maybe you haven't had one before, or you're looking for a pelvic therapist um, who has more time and can dedicate more time to you. um, Or 
can get you in. It's one of the things we definitely have as a high priority is making sure that our patients don't get evaluated and then can't get seen for six more weeks. So it is number one goal that if we see you this week, we want to be able to get you back in next week if that's our plan of care. Um, So if you're looking for some help with that, definitely check us out. If not, you know, just here to learn. I hope you learned something new. Follow the next uh, podcast episode. We're going to talk about the three types of treatment. So we've kind of talked about the evaluation today. We're going to go into what the three types of treatment are. Um, That way you kind of have an understanding of, okay, what do we do with all this information? So until next time, cheers. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute providing medical advice or professional services. Please reach out to your primary care provider if you need any assistance.